The theme is why do we sin? Why am I not able to stop sinning? Why have to battle with this? So let's read together uh, Romans chapter 6 from verse 1 to verse 14. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will lead us this morning and help us to understand your word. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ. We believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead. Will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death He died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey his passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you have not under law but under grace praise God it's a wonderful passage of the scripture uh, all the scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit but I believe there are some pages That have a special anointing. It speaks to our hearts. And I believe that Romans chapter 6 is one of them. Let me introduce you with saying that we are free moral agents. What he means this? That God created us with a free will. We are able to make decisions for our own and for uh, the people around us. Nevertheless, God could have created us robots. He had created us instead with freedom. We can have the ability to make decisions in our lives. And also God created us with a, a longing for fulfillment and satisfaction. All of us are craving for living a fulfilled life. And we have naturally, naturally, because this is ordained by God as creation, something to look for. The problem is that this is no neutral in us. We can fill that void that there is in us with something positive. 
or we can try to fill the longing that we have with something that doesn't bring glory to God. So we have to make a decision. What we are longing for. What we are looking for in our lives. Are you willing to follow God's way and satisfy the longing of your soul with the presence of God? And understanding that you are a new creation in Him. Or you are willing to satisfy your soul and the longing of your soul with something else that is not so eternal like the presence of God. So only God can fill the longing of our soul. Only God can fill the void that there is in us. You see, sin is like a, an anesthetic. It brings some kind of relief in our pain. I don't know if you have been at the dentist. Before they work on your, <laughs> your cavities, they put something to remove the pain, right? Sometimes they freeze you and they freeze you completely <laughs> sometimes for other major surgery. Why? Because you don't want to feel the pain. Sometimes in our lives, we look to something to free our pain. And we look to ungodly things. And we forget that only God can give us, only God can give us peace. Only God can fulfill the longing of our soul. I like to quote St. Augustine. This was a, a man who lived his life in a very sinful way. One day he was walking on the streets of Milan in Italy, north of Italy, and he heard the Bishop Ambrose preaching the gospel. And the Bishop has such a strong voice that his voice was coming out of the church. And he felt attracted inside the church. And that day his life was completely changed. Years later, he writes this book, Confessions. I encourage you, if you've never had the chance to read it, to read it. It's one of the classics of Christianity. And he wrote this. You have created us for yourself. And our heart is not quiet until it rests in you. What a powerful testimony is given by this man. You are created for yourself. You see, we are created with a purpose to be the pleasures and the light of God. And God is giving back love, peace, joy. And I'm really grateful this morning that I know that I'm loved by God. I know that His plan for my life is to bless my soul and to bring me with Him through all eternity long. Paul, another great man of God that was changed after he experienced the presence of God in his life, and after being the persecutor, became the persecuted, he had that one major concern in his life. Look what he writes to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing. Notice what he said. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and condemn as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Praise God for this. Another great man in the Old Testament, Moses. He grew up in the 
most important household. Though he was an Hebrew, we know this story, he was adopted by the daughter of the king of Egypt, the pharaoh. And he grew up having all the pleasure that that position could give him. All the prestige, all the education that he could receive. But in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 25 we read these words. That Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. Rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Why this great man renounced to everything. To find peace and fulfillment in God. Because truly God is the one that can quench the longing of our soul. And this morning if somebody in our midst has not made that experience to completely surrender his life or life to Christ. I truly want to encourage you to give up. Give up on everything else and say Lord I'm here. I'm longing for something. Please fill Fill my heart with your presence. Show me your grace, O oh Lord. You see, our sense of longing and desire is one of the primary felt needs as human being. Now, let me share something with you. And I believe that you noticed too. The marketing strategies are based on such desires. Even the way items are placed in the supermarket, they follow a strategy. There are psychologists that are studying our behavior. Did you notice that example that the biggest items like toilet paper are always towards the end? Because if you buy right away, your chart is full already. And you think I'm spending too much. But if you fill it with small items that are very costly, you don't feel so guilt. You understand what I'm trying to say? There are so many studies that are pointing our needs, the desire to have, the desire to own. And you know, those marketers, they have exploited the God-ordained craving for fulfillment and desires to their profit and are ruined. And the same does Satan in our lives. He's trying to embellish what is not good for us and diminish what is good for us. Even in the entertainment industry, is pushing on that desire. So that when you look something, a move, something that, wow, is coming out of your heart. Instead to realize that most of the time is fiction. It's no reality. It's no something that it can come to you in a practical way. So we are between these two battles. And this morning I want to share something through this wonderful chapter, which tells us how to access, access and experience the power, the favor, and the blessing of God in our lives. And to understand that we have been set free from the power of sin. And we have now the authority to work and to walk in newness of life. So the first things that we need to know is that we have a new identity in Christ. We have a new identity. You see, sin is a universal problem that touches every human being. It's affecting both non-believers and believers. It's touching all the human components of society. It's something that we all do, unfortunately. 
However, those two categories, believers and unbelievers, facing with a different attitude. One, the non-believer is slave of sin. The believer has been set free from sin. So you are no longer slave to sin. You have been set free. You are just a falling in sin. But your nature has been changed. Your nature is new. Your identity now is no more to be a sinner, but to be a saint. To be a person that walks in newness of life with Christ. The non-believers are dealing with being enslaved to the power of sin. Look at Romans 6, 1, 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? So if we have a new identity, we should not walk anymore in sin. We must know who we are in Christ. And what we have received in him. My brothers and sisters, many Christians are not enjoying the freedom of Christ because they forget to know who they are. We are adopted in the family of God. We are children of God. Hallelujah. I don't know if it's something little for you, but for me it's something amazing. You know, sometimes when we have a a friendship, a connection with a great personality. We say, oh, I have this person, uh, this person in authority that is my friend. And you are so proud to have somebody at such level. But I can imagine how much more dignity we have knowing that we have the children of God. Sinners saved by grace. Part of the family of God adopted who hears of Jesus Christ, a Lord and Savior. You see, my brothers and sisters, when Jesus died, he died to the legal reign of sin. He was a perfect man. And I want you to know that though he was God and he's still God, as he was walking with us, he was a perfect man. He defeated his sin being a perfect man. So he died to the reign of sin through our union with him, Paul is saying here, in his death. We too die to the legal reign of sin. Because we are united with him. We are no longer under the reign of the kingdom of sin. But now we are dying with Christ and we have been set free. In verse 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, look now this, we too might walk in newness of life. You have been given freedom to walk in a newness of life. You are no more longer slave of sin. And because the legal reign and the practical dominion of sin in our lives are inseparable. It means that if we died, not only its legal reign of sin has been defeated, but also the dominion of sin has been defeated. Why? Because we are united with Christ. We are one with Christ. And one of the symbology of the baptism 
is like a symbol that we die while we are merged by the water. We are dying. It's a symbol. And now we died in Christ. And when we come outside from the water, we are resurrected in newness of life. It's a beautiful, beautiful image. And I pray that you understand this meaning. So we have been set free. In verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You see, before sin had a hold of me. But now because I believe in Jesus, because I know that Jesus died and defeated the power of sin, died on the cross, he finished his work on Calvary, now through him, I'm not enslaved anymore in sin. I'm not destined to sin anymore. I'm destined to walk in newness of life. So I must walk in the newness of life. There is a new identity in me. So we must consider or see ourselves now as alive to God. And you see, transformation in our life begins by knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. Seeing ourselves in the way that God sees us in Christ. What a Savior we have. Who is able to not only free us from sin's penalty. But also to walk alongside with us. I love what Paul says. That we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness. To the kingdom of light in Jesus Christ. Before we were under the dominion. But now we have been set free in Christ. My brothers and sisters, take awareness that you have a new identity. You have a new longing desires is to do the will of God. And not to follow to deception of sin. Verse 11 says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin, alive. To God in Christ Jesus. Alive to the realm of God. Which includes seeing that we are fully accepted and enjoyed by God. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. Praise God. Praise God for this. Again, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. Look. This is the word of God. For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under the law. But under the grace. Before you were convinced. And some of us are coming from background. Religious background. Where you were have to work hard to gain salvation. If you could be sure to be saved. And now we understand. That is not the fulfilling of precepts and commandments. That works for our salvation. But it's grace. It's Jesus giving to you. It's righteousness. It's life over us. It's holy life over our lives. And that's so beautiful. It makes me excited. That I know that this longing of my soul. That the nature of my soul has been changed. Now I have a desire to do the will of God. And I can tell you, I experienced that in my life. My father was a minister. So there was no way that I was not attending in church. I think my mom brought me in church when I was two weeks old. <laughs> and 
And every, almost every single night, there was a church service. On Sunday, three services. Morning, noon, and evening. So, I was fed up with services. <laughs> I have to be honest. I, I was looking forward when I could rebel my father and say, no, now you cannot force me to go to church. You know, and why? Because I had other desires. I had other desires. I wouldn't taste the world. But you know what? When Jesus came and changed my life, I remember my friend Lucio saying, why will you come with me? I said, no, there's a church tonight. I'm really blessed to be part of the fellowship. And you know what stopped me to give my life to Christ? It was that I have to renounce it to this. I have to this, this. And Christian life is heavy. Uh, I couldn't make it. And you know what? When Jesus came in my heart, I realized there was no renouncing to something. I was simply not attracted anymore. Nature was changed. I was not attracted by those things. My desire was to be in church with the fellowship of believers. I remember spending hours reading the Bible in a different perspective. I, I have to be honest. I learned reading through the Bible. The old Italian Giovanni Diodati version. And uh, now I'm reading the Bible. And the Bible has a different meaning. It's speaking to me. I'm reading and God is giving me words. It's touching my soul. Before I was reading as a history, as a book. Now is the living word of God. Because that new identity has been changed. And praise God for this. Experience the attraction of godliness in your life. Fill your heart with the understanding that you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have been equipped to resist sin. You see, what I like from God is such a good God and wise God. Is not just giving a new identity, but also as being the equipment to resist to sin. And not to follow again under the dominion of sin. If we go to the second point, we have been equipped to resist sin. And tragically, sin in any amount will make a distance, a barrier between us and God. You need to realize, my brothers and sisters and friends... That when we sin, we are building a barrier, a wall between us and God. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, or his ear do that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That's the words of Isaiah in chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. Sins are building a wall between us and God. And you know, the Greek word most commonly translated by sin in the New Testament, amartia, simply means missing the target. It means missing the mark. And the mark in this case is the standard of perfection established by God's wisdom for our lives. But I want you to know, and you have to rebuke the devil when he comes to you and tells you and tries to convince you that you cannot live a holy life. That's a lie of the enemy. 
That's a lie of the enemy because you have been equipped to resist Satan. You have been equipped to say no to temptation. I think it was a Charles Adam Spurgeon that said this. We cannot impede the birds to fly over our head, meaning temptation. But we can forbid them to build a nest on our head. Make sense to you? Temptation is not sin. Falling to temptation becomes sin. The devil will come and will tease you. Letting you know that sinning gives you pleasure. It's an anesthetic. It sedates the pain. I'll give you an example. If you talk with somebody that has addiction or alcohol or drugs, most of the time they say, I do this because I have a lot of pain. They don't know how to quench the pain. So they follow on that thinking that is the solution. Many times teenagers are falling in sexual immorality because they try to escape from certain situations they're battling or the lack of love or missing something. And the Satan will say, do this, have sex before your marriage, have sex with everyone. This will fill your pleasure. And you are seduced by the enemy because it's giving always a wrong solution to a real problem. That's the strategy of the enemy since the Garden of Eve, uh, Eden with Adam and Eve. But praise God, though it's true what Paul says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That was our old man. Now we have a new man in us. We are not called anymore to sin. We have been equipped to surpass temptation, to overcome them. You see, we are living in a culture that has desensitized sin. We are so bombarded every day with things that are sinful in the eyes of God, but are well accepted in our society, that we almost don't feel anymore. That is sin. That's the reality. The concept of sin has become very vague and not relevant in people's life anymore. At the best, we think of the Ten Commandments. And we forget that there is a lot of other things that are offending God's presence and holiness. How can we recover the sensitiveness to the danger of sin? Remember... You are not alone. Remember what I said before? That God has given us all the equipment to resist temptation. And you know who is the author and the defender of your soul? As Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for you. He's praying for me. His ministry has not ceased yet. And also, we are protected by a firewall. The Bible calls that firewall Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you are going to sin, there is a bell. Dling, 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 dling. Did you sell in your heart? Mary, what are you doing? That's no good. <laughs> then it's up to me. <laughs> Follow or resist in temptation. But God has given us the Holy Spirit. And the equipment to overcome sin. So praise be the name of God. 
let me tell you this, brothers. We need to resist the sin. Satan is sin-provoking. Is creating the circumstances around you that you may sin. But if we trust God, we resist the inward corrupted prompting of our nature. Because now we have our own identity in Christ. And we are equipped to resist the schemes of Satan. Paul emphasized that self-denial in his own life. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make your obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Do not present. It means there is an awareness. I'm not talking about people that have not the Holy Spirit in their hearts. have been not regenerated. I'm addressing the saints now. You can tell me that you don't feel the power of sin. No. I'm sorry. I don't believe you. If you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will let you know that you are in the process of sinning. It will let you know. Again, it will ring that bell. It will let you know that you are doing something that is offending God. So it's your choice now to resist or to fall in sin. As a Christian, many times we give our fault to the devil. Oh, the devil did this. The devil did this. No, the devil is doing his work. He's doing his work. He's trying to tempt you. But it was not the devil that made the decision. It was you. It was me. To make the decision to fall. And that's sin. We must refuse circumstances that inflame sinful desire in our life. I always say this. Prevention is better than cure. Prevention is better than cure. Even Paul, as he writes to Timothy, he says, flee your youth appetites. Let me be more updated with this. We do not go to places or buy items or look at, at videos of YouTube or whatever it is. That is stirring up immoral things in our heart. My Bible, and I believe your Bible says, to fill our minds with things that are honorable, worthwhile. Things that are lifting up our spirit. Can I open a parenthesis here? I have a hard time to understand how Christian can watch horrors movie or very dark videos of films and same thing. What there is there that is lifting up your spirit? There is nothing. Fill your mind and your heart with things that are positive. Where you can be encouraged to follow Christ. To lift your spirit up. To bring you close to God. We know that certain things are against God. Why do we have to be there? Why do we have to contaminate ourselves? Why we need to be desensitized. God has given us a choice. God has given us the ability of the Holy Spirit to detect what is sinful. And again, we are to pursue godliness. And this is my third point. The only way that we can increase and stop 
to fall in temptation is filling our hearts with pursuing godly things. As worshipers of Jesus, we are to cultivate His presence in our lives, intimacy with God. We present ourselves to God in our body as instruments that He may use to bless others. Make me a blessing to others, Lord. That's in your will. Lord, lift up my spirit that I can praise you, I can worship you, and use me for your glory. I want to be an intimate relationship with you. Again, Paul says, but present yourselves in Romans 6, 13, second part, to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. God is giving you and me the privilege to be part of this army that is bringing glory to him and how showing the world that we can live a holy life. Showing the world that we can be counterculture. We can go against the flow. Showing the world that is it possible to praise and honor God. We need to offer our bodies as a vessels for the Holy Spirit to use us. And to use them for God's glory. And praise God. I, I'm not talking just to being behind the pulpit. I'm thinking you can be. A nurse, you can be a teacher, you can be uh, working the construction, or restoration, whatever is your field. And be the best to give a testimony to God of your integrity in whatever you do, of your honesty, of your sincerity. People that can rely on you because they know that you are one person, one heart, one mind. You are whole in fellowship with God. And believe me, though they can mock you, though they can ridicule you for your faith, time will come where they come to knock to your door. I remember when I was in the army, I was ridiculed because of my faith. And when I was coming in the room, ah, the holy soldier is coming. It was bad. Sometimes I had the tendency to react to that. But you know, the same people that were mocking me during the day, a night, they're coming to me. Mario, can I go in the bathroom? I need to pray for me for something. The same person that mocked me, ridiculed me in the morning. I'm telling you, I'm thinking I'm the only one. You are testified that in your life. Well, because they know that there is something different. And I say to you and to us as a congregation, let's ask God to use us for his glory. That our body are presented as a living sacrifice to before God. Look what Romans 12, 1, 2 says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's what God is calling us. We must seek after God's beauty. And when you fill your heart with the beauty of the Lord, oh man, what a difference. This morning when you sang the song, uh, Daniel, what a powerful moment. What anointed was in the congregation. You can sense the presence of God as we were opening our hearts to Him. And as we were feeding our soul with the beautiful words that were sung. 
When you look at the beauty of God, there is no room for other things. You live fulfilled. You live full of God's presence. And other people, they see that in you. Remember King David. He was a sinful man, but also he knew the difference of being in the presence of God. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, He had one, one desire, one thing I had asked to the Lord, that I will seek after. Only one desire he had, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David had that inclination, that only desire. You see, everyone seeks to be satisfied either by God or by the things of this world. David chose to gaze the beauty of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, we want to stop it to sin? Oh man, we have a solution. Let's seek after God's beauty. Let's look at what he has done in our lives. Let's walk in the newness of life. Let me close the sermon with some final application. How can we avoid it to sin then? Be aware we are not immune from sin. Though Jesus has given us our own identity, we are not being eradicated as sin in our lives. This will be accomplished only when we'll be in the presence of God. But again, God has given us the authority to overcome the temptation. We no longer live under the realm of sin. We now live under the dominion of the light of Jesus Christ. And then, if it happens that we commit sin, let's not dwell in the sin. Let's confess it right away. Do not allow the sinful things that you have done to put roots in your heart. Because in the long term, they will desensitize you. They will quench the Holy Spirit in you. Remove it right away. Confess with a repentant heart. Lord, I sinned, Lord. Please wash me with your holy blood. May the blood of Jesus covers me. Forgive me, O Lord. Cleanse my soul, O God. Restore in me the joy of my salvation. This was the prayer of David. And the Holy Spirit will come. And the presence of Jesus will come again. And this is forgotten. Doesn't exist anymore. We need to confess our sins before the Lord. And then cooperate with God's grace. He will not do our part as we cannot do his part. God already did his part. And accomplished what he did. On the Calvary Hill, Jesus said, it is finished. All is accomplished. We have all that we need. Now it's up to us. And let me tell you something. Salvation is much more than a golden ticket to get to heaven. It's enjoying the relationship with God. It is a transformation that alters our entire being. We are no longer like before. When I look at some of you that I know that I met as unsaved and now I see saved. What a change. What a change. In these years of ministry, I see people changing. Even the demeanor of their faces has been changed. Why? Because they find something deeper than a religion. They had more than some precepts to follow. They had the presence of the Holy Spirit. They had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And this brought change in their lives. You see, to refuse 
to live the kind of life, a holy life, is to minimize the work that Jesus did for you. It's having, it's having all the riches at your disposal and living as a beggar. God has been great in generosity and equipping us with every spiritual blessing, blessings. It shows an incredible effort that is doing in your life, in my life. And when we reject that because we are attracted by the things of this word, we are minimized the work of Calvary. We say, God, you are not attractive to me. I don't want to do that. I know how much it costs Jesus to set me free. And I want to follow him. And then, as I mentioned before, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, this forgotten person, the Trinity, is still a work in us. And the Holy Spirit is asking to take control of our lives. So he can exalt Jesus Christ in us. He can give us the ability to overcome the power of the enemy. Can we do that as a church? Can we do that as a congregation? But also as individuals. Let's go before the Lord this morning. Can we stand in God's presence?